0: Preparing a new thing. In almost every conversation that I've had since the beginning of the holidays, well, even not even in, at the beginning of the holidays, but specifically at the beginning of uh, since the beginning of the holidays, but during the year as well, you know, it's um, you always hear people say, Oh, you know, it was a tough year," and and I hope that 2019 will be better. And and who of you feel the same way? That, exactly, that 20, 2018 was a tough year and, and we hope that 2019 will be better. And, and for most of us, 2018 was a tough year. And, and specifically with, for us in the ministry, um, what we've seen and, and the amount of um, uh, counseling sessions that, that we've had, it, it must have been a tough year. And, and I, don't, I don't think it's going to get easier. Because we're getting to the end of times. And that's what the Word of God says to us. It's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any, any easier. But but there's a difference if if we are in the presence of God and if we worship God, if we believe in Yeshua and Jesus Christ, then things change in our lives. It might not change in the world, but it can change for you and it can change for us. And that's what is important. That's why I want to talk to you about preparing a new thing. Because there is a new thing waiting for each one of us. And and we just need uh, to take that um, uh, or accept it into our lives. Now, some of you might even say, you know what, you're talking about 2018 was a tough year. But I have a tough life. And it seems sometimes like, you know, we, we have tough lives. And if we look at this year, and if we look back at, at 2018, I think it was a year of challenges and of sadness and of grief. But you know, it was also a time frame of joy and of breakthrough and of victory. And, and we can't just dwell on the negative side. We've got to focus also on the positive things that happened in 2018. Because for us as a ministry and for us as a, as a congregation, we have seen amazing things happen in 2018. We have seen healings taking place. We have seen breakthrough in people's lives. So it is an important year for us. And, and, and I think we, we, we are so, um, every, every time that we talk about 2018, I think you know, that, we, that we're so focused on, on the negative side of things and we forget about the positive things that happens in our lives. Now, having a tough life, I don't think anybody understands it better than Israel did. And I think still today, <laughs> they understand what a tough life is. You just have to look at what happens in Israel at the moment. Now, if you look back at the history, so many things happened to Israel. And, and one of the key things is in, you know, they, they were enslaved for 430 years. Israel was enslaved in Egypt. But what happens? Our Father comes and, and he saved them from this terrible situation that they found themselves in. And he brought them through the Red Sea, he brought them through 40 years in the wilderness into their promised land. But you know what happens to us, and, and, and I think this is true for all of us, not just for Israel, I think this is true for all of us. Because what happens is, Father brings us out of the situation that we are in, same that happened with Israel, but while he was bringing them out of it, they were still complaining, They were still not happy, and hence the reason why they stayed in the desert or in the wilderness for 40 years, because they were unhappy with their situation, even though God saved them from a life of slavery, from a life of death. And then they move into the promised land, and then it gets really nice there, and they become complacent. They become content with their environment. They become content with this this blessing that God has bestowed upon them. And what happens to them? They fall away from their faith and they exiled to Babylon back into slavery and they've come out of a place of slavery and and they've had a great time in in Israel in the promised land and then they move back into slavery. Why? Because they didn't believe in the power of Abba Father and they started worshiping other gods and Israel was a nation that could truly say we had a tough life. And all they needed was a new start and something new to happen to them in their lives. And I'm sure that most of us here in this, in this building this morning desire something new to happen to us in 2019. And we're looking forward to, to something better for 2019. And Isaiah 43 is a reminder of God's principles for preparing a new thing. And I'm going to share a couple of verses out of, out of Isaiah 43 with you and, and make the links back to, to the New Testament and what Yeshua has come to do for us. But I want you to listen and to understand what these principles are. And if I remember, I'll, I'll, I'll um, uh, sh- actually show you what those principles are. I'll touch on them. So so what is happening here in Isaiah 43? What we need to understand is Isaiah is Isaiah's the prophet. God calls the prophet to go and speak to Israel and to tell them of their situation and what has happened. And, and the prophets warned Israel. They didn't listen to the prophets. Now they find themselves in Babylon, and Abba Father is sending Isaiah to go and talk to them in Babylon. And what he does is he reminds them through Isaiah, he reminds them of all the things that he has done for them as a nation. And, and the first part we see there is Isaiah 43 verse 1 to 3. And it says, and now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and formed thee, O Israel. Listen to what he says. He says, fear not. That's one of the first principles that we need to learn. And throughout the word, every time that we see this thing about fear, God says, that's not what I want you to do. Don't worry about the day of tomorrow. Do not fear. He says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. So fear does not come from above, Father, and the first principle that we need to learn is fear not. He says, for I have redeemed thee and called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou shalt pass through the waters, I will be with thee, and the river shall not cover thee. When thou shalt walk in the fire, thou shalt not be burnt, and the flame shall not burn in thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, the Savior. I have given Egypt for thy atonement, Ethiopia and Saba for thee. And what he talks about here, and he talks about Ethiopia and Sabah, and when we go back in the history of Israel, these are the nations that was, that was um, challenging Israel. They were the nations that attacked him. And what our father is saying, he says, this is a reminder of the attacks launched against you, but they didn't prevail. I saved you from each one of those. And now you find yourself in Babylon, but I'm here. I'm, I've never left you. I'm always with you. So... Our Father saying to us, I am always with you. And that's another principle that we need to understand. Fear not. Why not? Because our Father is always with us. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that we are always in the presence of God. And he has always rescued them from the terrible situations that they've been in. Every time they find themselves in a bad situation, God has rescued them. But when? When they returned to him, when they called upon his name, that's when he rescued them. And then in verse 5, we read, he says, Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. And in verse 7, he says, And everyone that calls upon my name, I have created him for my glory. I have formed him and made him. And that's another principle that we need to understand. We are here for his glory. And sometimes we demand, God, give me this, give me this, give me this. But that's not why we're here. We are here to glorify His name, to bring glory to Him. And sometimes we feel exactly like Israel did. It feels like we are in a war zone. I don't know if you felt in 2018 like you were in a war zone. And and, and talking to a lot of you sitting here this morning, I know that's how you feel. And and to some of you, it feels like the war is just continuing. It hasn't stopped yet but we feel like we're sitting in this war zone and, and it does not seem that there's any relief. There's, there's, it doesn't seem that there's any outcome out of this. But our Father is saying to you, I am always with you. And if you call upon my name, there will be a new thing that I have prepared for you. And Yeshua came and he said to us exactly the same thing. And in John 10 verse 27 to 29, he says to us, he says, my sheep, why does he call us my sheep? It is those that follow him. Because sheep will not follow a strange shepherd. I don't know if you've seen, there was a, there's a, um, a video clip that was doing the rounds on, on the internet. And, and it's about these two shepherds in Israel. And the one is walking with his bunch of sheep and they're following him and, they, and they're standing there. And the two of them meet in the middle of a field. And they start talking and these sheep starts mingling. And they're all over the place. And eventually, they finish their conversation, and they greet each other, and they say, okay, well, goodbye, shalom, whatever they said. And they turn around, and the one shepherd called his sheep, and all the sheep followed him. They didn't follow the the other shepherd. They followed the one whose voice they knew. Why? Because they followed him. They were in his presence all the time. And that's what Yeshua is saying to us. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. What does that mean? It says, I am always with you. You will never ever be alone. He says, my father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hands. If we belong to our father, nobody else can remove you from the presence of God of God because he is always with you and that is a key principle that we need to understand in in preparing for this new thing that needs to happen in your in our lives and that we so desperately desire to happen in our lives and then in in verse 10 of of Isaiah 43 our father makes a declaration that I believe is probably one of the key principles of preparing a new thing And what does he say to us in verse 10? He says, you are my witnesses. And that's another principle. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant. You see, we are here to serve him. And we need to understand that sometimes we think that he's here to serve us. And and sometimes we think that that our father is like a butler on call. Exactly every time that we need him, we, we pray quickly and say, oh, Lord, I'm in a a predicament here, just come and get me out of this this situation. Well, the first thing is, you chose to be in that predicament. And will God save you? Of course he will, because he's always with you, he loves you. But he's not a butler on call, we need to be in his presence, we are his servants, we need to do his will in our lives, not our will. He says, um, let me just read that again, You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen. That you may know and believe me, and that word "know," if we if we go and look at the at, at the at the Hebrew word for "know," and knowing somebody, knowing him is is like a a, um, to be in relationship with him. It's just not oh yeah yeah I know about him. You, you know most of us, well who is it, Who's the new president? Um, Cyril Ramaphosa. We we all say oh yeah yeah I know Cyril. But if you walk down the street and Cyril walks in the, you know, in the opposite direction, you, the two of you meet and you go, good morning, Cyril. He's going to go, okay, oh, good morning, who are you? That's not knowing somebody. Knowing somebody is to have an intimate relationship with him. So when he says that you may know me as he says, so that you can have an intimate relationship with me and believe me and understand that I myself am. And we call God the great I am. He says, before me there was no God formed, and after me there shall be none. And all these gods we make for ourselves is not gods. They're idols, because there is only one God, and it is Him, Abba Father, Yahweh. So we need to become witnesses of the glory of Abba Father and of Yeshua and of the power of His Holy Spirit. That's what we need to do. So many times we have been witnesses of of our, uh, ourselves and of our own situations and and when i say we are witnesses of ourselves and our own situations is what do we talk about we only talk about ourselves and we only talk about our own situations so we become witnesses of who we are and what we are going through and what we've been through and, and sometimes we even witness of what we are going to do and most of the times that's outside of the will of our father but we will still do it and we become witnesses of ourselves. And, and every time we complain, and, and I want to call this when we testify. Because complaining is like testifying. And every time we complain or testify about our past or our presence, um, or, or we are negative about our future, we are witnesses of our situation. And the witness we represent will become the reality in our lives. And if you keep on focusing on the bad things and the negative things and you keep on saying these things about yourselves, guess what? It will happen to you. It will come over to you. It will become your reality. So we, don't, we need to witness about who our Father is, who, who Yeshua is, who, who His Ruach, His Holy Spirit is. That's what we need to do. And, and have you heard that people... You know, when you ask people, oh, good morning, how are you this morning? Or how are you today? Have you heard what they say? They normally say things like, oh, you know, it's tough. Or, or they say, oh, I'm so tired because I'm so busy. I don't have time for anything. You know, it could be better. And these are the things that we say about ourselves. And we expect to be, to be um, joyful and have the joy of the Lord in ourselves, but we keep on saying the negative things. And we always have something negative to say about our situation, about ourselves, about our jobs, uh, about the pastor, about, you know, everything else. We never focus on the positive things. We never focus on the good things. And Yeshua said in Acts 1 verse 8, he says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. Do you hear that? Witnesses unto me. That's another principle that we need to understand. It says both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That means everywhere. Doesn't matter where you are. And, and uh, when, when I was still in the corporate in the corporate world. And working for, for international companies, um, we always used to get together and there are some people, and I won't tell you which religions they were in, but they, they, of some religion, not, not Christianity. Well, the Christian, Christians do the same thing, but they, they were not, they were not Christians, but, and they've got this very strict religion. And, and then we meet in a place like Amsterdam and you'll never say that they are part of that religion. Because they believe they're not in their country. They're not where everybody can see them and they can do whatever they want to. And sometimes we do the same thing. We believe that if we're not sitting in church or we're not with people we know from church, we can do whatever we want to because nobody will see me. And that's where we have the problem. Because we need to be witnesses unto Yeshua. Everywhere we go. Everywhere we find ourselves. And when he talks about this power, where he says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This power we receive from the Holy Spirit gives us the strength and the boldness to preach the gospel wherever we are. I've told you this, um, you know, if there was a, there was a, Francis of Assisi was an interesting character and uh he took along one of his priests with him and they were going and they were walking in the town and he said to his priest before they go come let's go and preach a little bit in town and and when they get got to town he was talking to everybody and he was asking them how they were and can i pray for you and etc cetera, etc cetera. and eventually they finished in town they were walking back to where they came from and and this young priest tapped him on the shoulder and he said to him i don't understand what just happened he says why he says, you said we are going into town and we are going to preach. When did we do that? And Francis of Assisi said to him, he says, you've got to preach the gospel of Yeshua all the time. And when it's absolutely necessary, use words. And that's what we forget our whole life How we react, how we talk to people, what we do is a reflection of who you are. And that reflection needs to reflect Yeshua. You need to reflect Jesus Christ in your life. If you don't do that, you are not part of that process. Our whole lives need to be a witness unto Him. And that is what He's saying to us. And if this is true... It means that we all have been given the ability by the Holy Spirit to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a preacher, or a teacher. Every one of us. And that's what we have to do. We've got to preach the gospel of Yeshua. And it's important that we experience um, this in our lives. We need to be cognizant of of this, um, this work that God has placed in us. And we've got to exercise our ability given by the Holy Spirit to spread the good news of Yeshua, whether by word or by action. Doesn't mean, doesn't matter which way, but we always have to be witnesses unto him. And to be a witness unto him means that we have to be witnesses of Yeshua himself, of his deity, of his sonship, of his incarnation, of his ministry, his miracles, his suffering and his death, his resurrection, his salvation, and most of all, uh, 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 witnesses of his love. And that's what John writes to us in, in the book of Revelation, in Revelation 12 verse 11. He says to us, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. How do we achieve victory? The moment we start being witnesses and we testify of Yeshua. And this testimony is being witnesses of Yeshua. That is what we're supposed to do. And how do we become witnesses? By making use of the word of truth, the sword of the spirit, and we need to adhere to the word of God, and we need to testify of his glory. That is how we become witnesses. And that's where we are able to gain victory over the enemy and over every single situation we find ourselves in. And why is it important that we become faithful witnesses to Yeshua? Because he is our faithful witness. And Revelation 1 verse 5 says to us, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You see, Yeshua is a faithful witness of our Father. He's a faithful witness of the will of our Father and of his word. And, And he's... He's our example. We need to follow Him, and therefore we need to be witnesses unto Him. We need to be witnesses, witnessing what He has done on earth, what He has done in our lives. And therefore we have to be followers of Yeshua and bear the same witness as what He did. And then our Father goes on to say in uh, Isaiah 43, verse 11 to 13, He says, I, even I, uh, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved and I have showed When there was no strange God among you. And what he's saying here, he says, when you didn't know of anything, I was there. I've always been there. I've created you. He says, therefore, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yes, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? And that is an interesting thing. It's an interesting question that he gives us here in Isaiah 43. He says, I will work and who shall let me? In other words, there is a choice that we have to allow God to work in our lives. And if you don't allow him to work in your life, he can't do it. Because it is your choice. You've got to allow God into your life and to do this new thing for you and to do this new thing in your life. And this is good news. In fact, it's actually wonderful news. And our father is saying that he is in control. He's saying that he is the one who will change our circumstances, but we need to allow him to do that in our lives. And what do we need to do? We need to be witnesses of his glory. That's how we allow him into our lives. And then our father makes a key statement that we all need to take notice of. This is very important. And, And it's a statement that almost seems contradictory to what we have just heard. And, and what have we just heard? We've heard about this whole process. Our Father reminds um, Israel of all the things that, it, that, that they've been through and how he has rescued them. And he mentions Egypt and he mentions all these, these attacks that they've had and how he saved them out of this situation. And then he comes up with a punchline and I'll, and I'll share that punchline with you now. And, and even in, in verse 16 and 17 of Isaiah 43, he does the same thing. He reminds them of who he is and what he's done for them. And he says, thus saith the Lord, which makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, which brings forth the chariots and horses, the army and the power, they shall lie down together, they shall not rise, they are extinct, they are quenched as tow. So what is he saying here? He says, I've done all these things. I've taken you out of Egypt, I've taken you through the desert, I've taken you through the Red Sea, and your enemies was destroyed within the water. I have done all of that for you. It's a reminder of who he is and what he's done and what he is capable of. And then he comes with this punchline. And and, and I believe this is a punchline. Isaiah 43, verse 18 to 19. And this is why it sounds so contradictory. And he says, Remember ye not the former things. Neither consider the things of old. So he's just reminded them of all these things. And then he says to them, Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Don't remember it. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And regardless of what your situation is, God can make it better. That's what he's saying to us. Regardless of what you're going through, he will make it better. He has the power to do that for you. He says, but remember not. The former things. So, what is happening here? He reminds Israel of all the things he has done for them, and he tells them not to remember the former things. So, what's this all about? Our father is telling us to change our focus, he's telling us not to continuously look behind us but to focus on him and on the things he is capable of doing in our lives. And it's not that we should completely forget about what he's done for us. We we need to keep that in remembrance. But what he's saying is do not dwell there. Don't stay there. You need to move forward. He says don't dwell in the past regardless of whether it was good or bad. It doesn't matter. Don't dwell in the past. And the problem with dwelling in the past is that it is impossible of moving forward. And if you are always looking back at the past, you will never be able to see where God is actually leading you. Have you ever tried to walk around? I've seen lots of times with people with their cell phones. So you just, just have to look at a person with a cell phone. So he's walking around, he's looking at his cell phone, but he's looking, walking all over the place. He's not walking in a straight line. Or, or sometimes I see people and they, and they walk past the window or something and they look at something there and they start looking there and they're walking, but they're going that way. You cannot look back. You cannot look at the past and believe, and, and, and believe that you are moving forward because it will never happen. Luke 9 verse 62. Yeshua says to him something. He says, and Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And, and now we understand this kingdom thing. And and I know there are a few of you that's new uh, here this morning, but but let me explain this thing about kingdom. Kingdom in the Bible, in the Greek, is the word basileia. And basileia does not mean heaven. It is not a place where we go. This kingdom is not somewhere where God wants us to be. And and most of the times when we read this thing and says, you are not fit for the kingdom of God, we think, oh, we're not fit for heaven. We'll never be able to reach heaven because we're not fit for heaven. That's not what it says. Kingdom, this word kingdom, basileia means the authority to rule. Where are we supposed to rule? Here on earth. So in other words, what he's saying here, he says, um, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back has the authority to rule in the kingdom of God here on earth. In other words, if you live in the past, it takes away your godly authority. You cannot live in your authority once you dwell in the past. And, and what he's using here is an agricultural reference. And you'll see in the Bible there there are loads of agricultural references because the people of the time understood agriculture. And he uses this agricultural reference. And, and if you look at a farmer, if, if a farmer is busy plowing, I don't know if you've ever watched a farmer plow. Uh, today it's easy, you know, they, they've got these, if, if you go to Nampu and you see these these great tractors and things that they've got there, man, they are cool. Because you place the tractor in a, in, on, on the land and, and you put the, the, the dimensions of the piece of land that you, that you want to plow into it and you program the tractor and you sit back and you just watch and it does everything for you. But, but in the old days, when, when people were still plowing, especially with hand, and they had an, a, an ox in front of them, and they had this plow, and, and if you look in Africa, there's still tons of people that plow that way. When I was a youngster, my, my brother-in-law had a farm, and he allowed me to, to drive the tractor once, and uh, he said to me, don't look at where you're going, look at or, or, yeah, where you are, look at where you're supposed to go. And he said to me, what you need to do is find a point, and you only look at that point, and what you do, don't worry about what's behind you, just look at that point and drive towards that, that single point. Because if you don't do that, your furrows look like this. They're not straight, or you start in this corner and you end in that corner. And, and that is the same thing that he's trying to tell us here. So if, if a farmer is plowing, plow, plowing and looking back, he'll, he's going to have some problems. He will not have proper and straight furrows. They will be all skew and leading in the wrong direction. He will not stay the path. You see, he will not be able to do his work well if he keeps on looking back. And it's the same with us. If we stay in the past, guess what? Your future is not going to be so bright. You cannot stay in the past because you're not looking at where God is leading you. You see, you cannot be a true witness to Yeshua if your mind is focused on the things of the past. And you will not be able to function in authority, in that authority that we receive through Yeshua. He has given us that authority to rule on earth. And you will not experience the new things that God has installed for you. And the other thing that we need to understand is we we also, we, we cannot depend on past victories to sustain us. You know, so often when we talk, we say, oh, yes, you know, 10 years ago this happened, and 20 years ago that happened. Well, that's, that's in the past. It's not happening now. So, so we can't dwell even on the victories that we've had in the past. And just like Israel had many victories in the past, but our Father says to them to not remember those. Don't stay there. Because if you stay there, you cannot move forward, and you cannot receive the new thing that I have prepared for you. So our Father is saying to you and I today, do not look back at what I've done. But focus on what I'm doing now and focus on the new things that I'm still going to do in your life. Just as we can't dwell in the past victories, we cannot uh, dwell in our past failures because it will consume you. And Satan will remind you of your past so that he can keep you from enjoying the life that our Father has planned for you. And he has a great plan for you because we read that in Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 3. And this is such a well-known verse. And most people quote this, but we don't do what our Father wants us to do. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, say of the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And, and this expected end, if you look at the word, it actually means to give you a future and to give you a hope. And when he talks about that future, it's not a negative future. It is a positive future that he that he has planned for you. He says, then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for, search for me with all your heart. And what is he saying to us? And I don't know if you're aware of this, but if you go and read the Bible, for every single blessing that God has for us in the Bible, every promise that he has for us in the Bible, there's a condition attached to it. There is not one single promise or blessing that does not have a condition. And even if we read this, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think are towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an um, Uh, a future and a hope and then he says and here's the 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 condition he says you shall call upon me you shall go and pray unto me i and i will hearken unto you and that hearken means i will listen to you i will be there for you but you need to call upon my name look at what happened to israel every time that they called upon the name of god he came and he rescued them and modern day christians think you know, once we've said, oh, I believe in God, I can just sit back and relax and I don't have to do anything. And it's not true. He says, you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart, with everything that is in you, with your entire life. And we are, we are so focused on the old things in our lives that we forget this new thing that our Father has planned for us, this peace and hope and this, and this beautiful future that he has for every single one of us. And how many people make new uh, resolutions, especially this time of the year? I don't know if you do, I don't make any resolutions. Because they don't last anyway. Some people keep them for a day, some people keep them for an hour. And I've heard of some people keep it for a week. But mostly people don't keep resolutions. And sometimes, and I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions, but sometimes we make resolutions in our life. We, we come up and we think, you know, I've got to do things differently. And, and then we plan that, that we, will, we will grow in our relationship with our Father in this coming year. And, and moving forward, I'm, I'm going to spend more time with our Father. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to do more focused Bible study. I'm going to get more involved in the church and all those beautiful things that we say. But we never do it. Or we start off with it and we stop. Why? It is because we get caught up in our past. It's because we dwell in our past. But it's because we're not moving forward. We're not accepting this new thing that our Father has for, for our lives. And the old things continue to surface. And they never get to the new things that our Father has prepared for them or for us. Let me tell you this. Our Father is way more interested in your future than he is in your past. If you don't believe me, go read Hebrews 8, verse 12 to 13. He says, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. God is saying, I'm not interested in your past. If you come to me and you confess your sins and I forgive them, I'm not interested. I don't even think about it anymore. He says, I will remember them no more. In that he saith, a new covenant he hath made the first old, now that uh, that which decayeth and waxed old is ready to vanish away. And he's talking about this this old covenant. And, and let me explain something to you, because we need to understand what he's referring to. What is this new covenant he's referring to? And he gives that to us in verse 10. He says, because this is the covenant which I will covenant, uh, covenant with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, giving my laws into their minds and i will write them on their hearts and i will be their god and they shall be my people and what is he saying he says i'm not cancelling my laws i'm not cancelling what i've told you i've not i am not cancelling my instructions he says but instead of having it written down as a checklist i'm now writing it into your hearts and what does it mean when he writes that into our hearts so talk, It's talking about relationship. And he's talking about a relationship of unselfish love because, because it is written on our hearts. It is not a checklist that we run through every morning when we wake up. Oh, I must just check. I can't do this, can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. No, it becomes a situation where it says, I don't want to do it because I'm in an intimate relationship with our Father. Big difference. And that's new. And that's what he brought through Yeshua to show us that we have to be in an intimate relationship with him. We have to renew our minds on a daily basis. But you know what we also have to do? We need to to renew our faith on a daily basis. Because I've seen so many people fall away from the faith. Why? Because we're not exercising our faith. We're not practicing our faith. We're not renewing our faith on a daily basis. So what's the answer? Don't get stuck in the past. You have to be moving forward all the time. And you know, somebody once said, he says, the past is a place of reference, not a place of residence. And sometimes we go pitch a tent there. And and then we get real comfortable and then we buy a caravan and we stay there. And, And then eventually we build a house there. No, it is only a place of reference. It's not a place of residence. And look at Israel. You know, the bad things that happened in their lives were an opportunity for our father to do new and wonderful things for them. And if you find yourself in a bad situation, it is an opportunity for our father to do something new and something good in your life. You need to see these bad things as opportunities to God. You're not going to get out of it. Trust me. If you try out of your own power, it will never happen. But if you allow God to do this, he will come through for you every single time. And what is holding you back? What is holding you back? Well, as we said, your past is holding you back. But the evangelist, Dick Rubin, you, you, most of you will know that I that I quite like this evangelist, Dick Rubin. He's a Messianic Jew, and, and he said some incredible things. And I want to give you a quote by Dick Rubin. And he talks about the lampstand. He says, the lampstand was trimmed twice a day. And when he talks about the lampstand, he talks about the menorah, the, the seven-branch lampstand that was in the tabernacle. He says, the lampstand was trimmed twice a day, and the trimmings were put in a snuff box and discarded outside the camp. And he says, and this is the principle, yesterday's glory is today's ash. And many hang on to the ash that was once yesterday's glory. Don't hold on to the ash. Move forward because God has got new glory for you every single day. And it's therefore important that you, that you clarify your focus that, so that you can discover what our Father has planned for you. And remember what our Father said in, in Isaiah 43 verse 19. He says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. New things. Things that we don't expect. Were they expecting the, 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 the Red Sea to open up so they can walk through in dry land? No, they weren't expecting it. What were they expecting? Death. Death. Because they were standing in front of the Red Sea and they could see the cloud of the, of the armies of Egypt coming towards them. And they were concerned. How are we going to get through this water? And God says, don't worry about it. Let me show you. And he gave them something that they never expected. Somebody once said, if your expectations don't scare you or doesn't scare you, they're not big enough. We need to have great expectations because God is a God of great resolutions. You see, the importance of what we need to see here is that you need to see yourself as God sees you, and you must see your possibilities as He sees them, not as you see them. Colossians 1 verse 21 to 23 says, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. And then here comes the condition. Remember I said this is a great blessing. He says he, says, he has presented us unblameable and un, uh, unreprovable in his sight. But there's a condition for it. This is the condition. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. We need to believe in the truth of Yeshua. We need to believe in the truth of God. So commit yourself to our Father's plan for your life and not your own plan. And sometimes we make our own plans, and and we forget about our Father's plan for our lives. And and most of us don't even ask Him what His plan for our lives is. We need to commit to His plan. Well, let me tell you this. Your plan hasn't worked up to now anyway. So why don't you allow our Father's plan to take over in your life? And when we refuse to follow God's plan for our lives, we stay stuck in our past, and we remain in that spiritual captivity that I was talking about earlier. You know, this golden altar of incense, it, it was amazing. When I was preparing the, the, the word for, for this morning, um, yesterday, Our um, Father took me back to this altar of incense. And, and you know that I, that I quite like the, the, the tabernacle, because the tabernacle is the pattern for, for our lives as Christians. The the tabernacle is is the um, is the pattern for um, for our salvation. The the tabernacle is the pattern for who Yeshua is, and and there are so many important things in the tabernacle. So once we understand the tabernacle and we understand all the all the furniture that was in the uh, in the tabernacle, we understand a lot more what Yeshua came to do for us, and it's so important. And and our Father reminded me of this golden altar of incense, and and the, if you look at the golden altar of incense that was inside the the tabernacle cle and was standing in front of the veil so so if you entered into the um, uh, in, in, into the holy place, um, you would find a few things on your left left hand side would be um, the golden uh, chandelier or the golden lampstand which looks similar to that there so the golden uh, lampstand on your right hand side you would have the table of showbread and uh, showbread and right in front of you you'll have the veil and in front of the veil is the altar of incense the golden altar of incense and that represented the people's worship and the people's prayers and it had a prominent place in the tabernacle it was standing right in front of the veil and here's the important thing, for, for the priest to enter into the presence of God, the, for the priest to enter into the holy place, into the throne, throne room of Abba Father, he first had to what? Offer his prayers and his worship on the altar of incense. It's important for you to understand. Because it is only when he did that that he was allowed access into the presence of Abba Father. And the principle that we see through this is we enter through prayer and worship into the throne room of our Father. So if you want to enter into His presence, the way to enter into our Father's presence is through prayer and worship. That is how important that principle is, that pattern is that our Father showed us. It hasn't changed. Because if we look at Yeshua, He is the veil, and, and, and when His body was, was broken for us, it says the veil was torn. But what happened to the altar of incense? Did that disappear? No, it didn't. It moved. Where did it move to? A little bit forward. And now instead of standing in the holy place, the altar of incense moved into the most holy place. Wow. So what does that mean? Our worship and our prayers still lead us into the presence of God. It's the same principle. It is important that we see that. You see, it it is when we enter into his presence that he is able to share his plans that he has for us with us. It is when we are in his presence that he shares his preparation of a new thing for us. He's not going to share that with you unless you stand in his presence, unless you are in his presence. And therefore, we need to continue in prayer and worship. And I wanted to give you two quotes right after each other, because they, they, they relate to one another, also from De Rubin, regarding our prayers and our worship. And he said the following, he says, the two rings on the altar of incense allowed for it to always remain level and balanced, regardless of how steep the incline is, either going down or going up. What does that say to us? And, and if you look at that 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 altar of incense it had two golden rings that's what god said to us in 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 exodus 25 to 35 he explains how the tabernacle must be built and, and, and all the furniture must be built and it had two rings on it and when they carried it they stuck two poles through it now i don't know if you've ever seen something if you if you carry something and it's got two um, rings on the sides and you've got two poles and you put it on your shoulder and you carry this thing it swings freely but you can move up and you can move down it always stays level So what is he saying to us? He says, whether your life is up or whether your life is down, never neglect your worship and your prayers. It's got to be solid. It's got to be balanced. It's always got to be level. We always have to focus on our prayers and our worship of our Father, regardless of what is happening in your life. And that's so important for us to understand that. And then he says, there is power at the altar of incense, power of prayer, power of intercession, and power of worship. And it was so amazing when Abba Father showed me that it's, it hasn't moved, he hasn't taken it away. It all, the only thing that happened to the altar of incense, it moved from outside of the, the most holy place to inside the most holy place. Because your worship and your prayers always remain important in your worship of Abba Father, in your relationship with our father and then he comes and he says to us in Isaiah 43 verse 21 he says this people have I formed for myself do you hear that he's formed us for himself he says they shall show forth my praise that's what we need to do we need to worship him we need to show forth his praise and our father is preparing a new thing for you but you need to be preparing for the new thing to happen He's already prepared that new thing. But if you're not in preparation of receiving it, it's not going to happen. And I, I want to conclude with the with following scripture to show us what is needed in our preparation to receive this new thing from our Father. And we, we find this in, in Chronicles. In 1 Chronicles 16 verse 8 to 12. And listen to what he says, and this is so important, because these are the principles of preparing us to receive this new thing from our Father. He says, Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing unto Him. Sing psalms unto Him. Talk ye of all His wondrous works. Glory you in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works and he, uh, that he have done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Be ye mindful always of his covenant, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, saying unto thee will I give the land of Canaan the lot of the, your inheritance. What is he saying to us? He says, if we follow these principles, we'll receive this new thing that is prepared for us. We'll receive our inheritance. We'll receive the blessings that He's got in store for us. And the question this morning is, is are you re- ready to receive His blessings? Are you ready to receive this new thing that is prepared for your life? And if you're not, go and prepare so that you can receive. And we need to be in a process. We need to be in a place where we are worshipping Him, where it's all about Him, where we're praying, worshipping, ministering, but be witnesses of who God is. We've got to testify of His greatness and His glory. We've got to testify of, firstly of who He is and secondly of what He's done for us. And if you think back in your life, and again, don't, don't dwell there, but if you think back in your life, and you think of all the good things that God has done for you in your life. Wow, let me tell you, there are more things and greater things installed for each one of us. And let me tell you this: and a lot of people will out there will say to you that God is there to make you rich. It's it's not true. God's blessing is not to be rich. What is God's blessing? God's blessing is to have an everlasting life. God's blessing for each one of us is the salvation that He's brought to you and I. God's God's blessing for you and I is the peace that we find in our hearts. God's blessing for your life is to have His joy in your hearts. Sometimes all these other good things happen to us. But that's not where our focus needs to be. Because he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be given to you. And are we there where we're seeking his righteousness in everything that we do? Because that is the most important thing. To seek an intimate relationship with our father. To seek his face. To seek his presence. And to seek his righteousness. Because if we do that, we're preparing our hearts, we're preparing ourselves to receive this new thing that God wants to give to you. So for 2019, the one thing that I want all of you to do is not to dwell in the past. It's gone. It's past. It's no longer. You can't go back to fix it. We can only move forward. So don't dwell in the past. Look forward unto our Father. Look forward unto Yeshua and to Jesus Christ and what He's done for us. What He's prepared for us. Be in constant worship and in prayer. And be the best witness that you can be for Him. And then we will see the blessings that He's bestowed upon us. Father, Lord, what a privilege. What an honor to see that that you've got something new installed for each one of us. Thank you for the opportunity that we can be witnesses unto you. Thank you, Father, that we have the ability to, to worship you. Call upon your name, to seek your face, to seek your righteousness. Give us the strength through your Holy Spirit and through the strength and the power and the authority that Yeshua has given us, so that we can continue to be witnesses unto you, and so that we can testify of your greatness and your goodness, your love, your salvation, of your glory. And this morning, we honor you. Father, we ask that, that for each one of us, that we will experience something completely different this year. That when we come to the end of this year, and the end of 2019, and we look back and we can say, I want to glorify God. Look at what he's done for me. But I'm going to continue to focus on what, this, what he still has, to, has in store for me. And thank you for that promise that you've given each one of us. I have prepared a new thing for you. And thank you that we can receive that new thing. We praise you. We honor you. In the mighty name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As. As we worship our Father and we bring praise to Him, I want to, if there's anyone of you that needs prayer this morning, if you want me to pray for you, if you want, Leon will be here, there will be a couple of us here standing in front praying for you. If you need prayer this morning, I want to ask you, while we're busy worshiping, you're allowed to come forward and we'll pray for you. Because we've just heard that that it is so important. Prayer is so important. is one of the key things that we need to hold on to. So if you're in need of prayer, don't leave this morning until we've prayed for you. And May you have a, a wonderful week. May you have a wonderful year. May you look forward to the new thing that God has planned for your life. And may you continue to worship Him in whatever you do. Amen.